Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yo, what's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. Uh, this week's episode is releasing one day earlier. You know, I usually release episodes on Sundays, um, but I am going out of town on vacation, so I wanted to make sure you had that content. So it is Saturday, May 7th, um, and this is Thinking Outside the Boombox. Um, You already know the drill. It's the final season. Um, Only three episodes remain after uh, this episode. Um, But in the Dig Deeper segment this week, uh, it is part four of the Real Rhythm series, a series that uh, I am co-hosting with my friend Brian, co-host of What's in the Box Office, where we explore the history of hip-hop in movies. And this week, we are talking about the best hip-hop movie soundtracks and we're ranking them and we're getting into all of that good stuff so stay tuned for that um the song of the week in the press play segment as you know featured in the podcast newsletter um go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com you can put your email address in on the home page and you'll get a copy of the podcast newsletter in your inbox every time there's an episode or you can just go to the newsletter tab at thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com um, so make sure you sign up to the mailing list so you can see the links to all of the new albums that dropped and any hip hop and R&B news um, that happened in the past week that I want you to check out. Um, but yeah, so let's jump right into the content, right into the Dig Deeper segment. Um, let's do a short music break and then Brian will join us in the studio for us to talk about these movie soundtracks. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. 
as I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, this week it is part four of the Real Rhythm series. This is a series that uh, myself and my co-host for this week, Brian. Hello, Brian. Hello. Um, so Humphrey Bogart did not just leave Ingrid Bergman um, on that thing because for no reason. He knew that she'd have a better life with Victor Laszlo and that he couldn't provide the security or the affection that she required, but they always will have Paris, and I needed to get that out there. <laughs> I like that Brown Sugar shouted it out, but I, I was like, listen, guys. It's a little more complicated. There were Nazis chasing them. He had to stay in Casablanca. That was her one way out. And he knew Victor could provide a safe life for her, which is all he cared about. Huh. See, this, is, this is why you're a great co-host. It's great to have the historical movie uh, context for all our listeners. Um, it was very funny, though. Uh, that bit in Brown Sugar. Anyway. Um, so as if you all cannot tell, um, the Real Rhythm series, we are exploring the... Uh, history of hip hop in movies, and we've been doing that for the past uh, almost month at this point. And for this week, uh, in part four, we were exploring the best hip hop movie soundtracks. So we pulled a list of about, I want to say, 12 or so. Um, we listened to all of them. In some cases, we watched the movies that were associated with them. Um, one of those was Brown Sugar. Um, and we're going to discuss them. And at the end of the episode, we're going to rank our top five hip hop movie soundtracks. Um, important to note that most of the soundtracks that featured hip hop music back in the eighties, nineties, two thousands featured R and B and hip hop, a pretty almost even mix of it. So, you know, for a, a soundtrack to, you know, be mentioned, in this series, I just figured as long as they had at least half of the songs uh, be a hip hop or a rap song, then it was fine because it was kind of hard to find soundtracks that were almost exclusively rap. And for good reason, I think R&B um, kind of gave those soundtracks some oomph. It, it kind of broke up the what could be monotonous in, in some soundtracks. Um, in at least one of them, it was confusing and misplaced. <laughs> I don't know what movie they think they saw, but Men in Black is not a love story. There is no sex in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of those songs were explicitly about fucking, and I was like, yeah. I don't. This is wild. It's almost like they were like, "Well, it is the '90s, so we gotta have yeah. some like <laughs> sex art." Will, Will Smith and Linda Fiorentino like kind of flirted in that movie, but I don't know. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of R&B placements that like didn't match the the theme or anything related to the movie at all yeah. and it kind of uh, <laughs> threw off the cohesion. Yeah, especially looking back, I understand that like when, you know, the main purpose of soundtracks was to sell records and to also promote the movie mm. and also an extension of that is just promoting the artists on it. Yeah. So I do. And CDs were huge in the nineties. Like I get it. And I get wanting to populate your soundtrack with a mixture of, of things. Um, but looking back on that now, now that we don't need CDs to have like a comprehensive, <laughs> you know, music collection, uh, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And before we dig in, I do want to say uh, my apologies to Space Jam and the Space Jam soundtrack, but Ugh. that soundtrack was like 70, 80% R&B, so it, it did not make the cut, but oh my God, that That's soundtrack true. is so good. We should have <laughs> talked about um, uh, uh, the title track, uh, oh. our made for movie episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, Because it's just, it's so good. Yeah. So apologies to Space Jam, but, you know, we wanted to at least mention you. Sure. Um, So let's jump right in. Um, The first one on the list is the 8 Mile soundtrack. We talked a lot about 8 Mile in this series already uh, between the biopics and, of course, uh, Lose Yourself as the best original song. Um, It was the soundtrack was released by Shady Records. So. No. A lot of airtime was given to 50 Cent, <laughs> Ob Trice, and D12, popular Eminem collaborators, and also this was on like Shady right Records. before 50 Cent really exploded, right? This is yeah. like a year or two. Yes. Yeah, he was in mixtape mode. I think he had probably released like he had already released. This came out in October of 2002, so I think yeah. he had released three or four mixtapes that year. Um, okay. So 50 was like he was hot so at M- the moment. M- M- M was really pushing him. He's yeah. also on the last track of the Tupac Resurrection soundtrack. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Which is strange. <laughs> Very strange. Um, but well, but not as strange if you consider that Eminem produced that soundtrack. No, I know. But that was even just like, <laughs> it's like an up and comer <laughs> yeah. being on the soundtrack of like <laughs> what was going to be like the, the, the biggest representation of Tupac mm-hmm. in film. Like that was like, we're doing it. And it's like, yeah, here's this guy who's going to be big. We think we hope. Yeah, the last song. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see the soundtrack. What'd you say? I just said, all right, Eight Mile. <laughs> yeah, um, multiple songs from Fifty Cent and Eminem. Features from Rakim, Gangstar, Jay Z, Nas, and more. Um, you know, that's at least four first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, if there was a, a Hall of Fame that <laughs> functioned like the NBA, um, Eminem produced the majority of the first half of the album. And it also spawned an album called More Music from 8 Mile, which featured songs that were in the movie. Um, so they just decided to make a whole other soundtrack off that. Well, that's that, that's the better playlist. <laughs> it really is. There were four Wu-Tang songs. There was a Tupac, a Biggie, a Mob Deep, an Outkast song. Like It was oh, like, yeah. uh, why didn't you just make this the soundtrack and throw Lose Yourself on there? <laughs> Far Side. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. Great songs on there. Um, so some statistics about eight mile soundtrack. So I pulled data about how it performed on the billboard 200, because that kind of shows how the soundtrack held up to all genres of music, um, that was being released at the time. And then I also pulled some information about the top hip hop and R and B charts, because that shows how it performed just, um, amongst hip hop and R and B music. So debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, sold over 700,000 in the first week, stayed at number one for another week, selling another 500,000, um, beating out Justin Timberlake's Justified debut um, on the top hip hop and R&B chart. It debuted at number one and it was on that chart for 41 weeks. So the better part of a year uh, by the end of 2002. So just like a couple months, it had sold almost three and a half million copies going triple platinum. And then within the next month, it went four times platinum. It was the fifth best-selling album of 2002 in the United States, and it was released in late October. So it made up a lot of ground. 
And as of 2016, which was the last year that this data was collected, it had sold 11 million copies worldwide. So it did numbers. It did numbers. Yeah, um, I did want to talk about that. Now, does mm-hmm. that count toward um, Eminem's totals? Is this, is this like considered an Eminem album? That is a good question because when you when you look at the artist name under the Billboard chart, it just says soundtrack. Um, so it okay. might it might count more towards the label than to Eminem himself, but I, I guess I don't know what the criteria is because to make it count for him. Because I don't want to jump ahead, but doesn't get Richard Die Try? Isn't that considered a, a Fifty Cent album, or is that the same thing? Uh, it's the same thing. So it also says soundtrack. So it might fall in like some weird gray area thing. Um, but I do Very think that everybody would just consider this to be part of Eminem's discography since he, yeah. you know, was the lead, you know, collaborator on it. And I was, I guess it makes sense because he was huge, but I, I was really shocked by the numbers for this. And I also think Get Rich did decent numbers. And I was mm-hmm. very surprised by it. We, you know, they, as we discussed two weeks ago, um, Eminem's album, I forget which one it is, came out like in May of that year. Mm-hmm. So he had two heavy projects, Eminem heavy projects, one being his own and the other being this, do huge numbers in the same year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2002 was was a so crazy year, year for, for Eminem, yeah. Good year for him. Uh, so what do you think about this soundtrack as a whole? Uh, I didn't really like it. Um, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I I found a lot of it uninspired. Mm. Um I, you know what bothered me was that a lot of it didn't fit into the themes of the movie or the 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 vibe of the movie, the timeline of the movie. Um, it felt like he just wanted to make uh, an, a collaborative album mm. with his label and with his friends, which he did, but that just sounded current, whereas this movie, uh, they don't say it takes place in the past, but again, because everyone perceives this as basically a biopic, mm-hmm. we imagine this taking place in like 1998, and the, the which actually makes sense, because the the more music from, the music that played in the movie are all 90s yeah. Uh, yeah. songs. So it didn't fit with that tone. Um, there were a couple of songs that I did enjoy, but overall I thought that it was uh, just kind of a, a phoned-in effort from everyone and um, very dated lyrics, to say the least, uh, which, mm. always, which always sticks out to you now. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I, I didn't really care for it. What about you? Um, I thought it was okay. I didn't hate it. Um, so I, I went about judging... Uh, these soundtracks kind of as an average of the quality of each individual song. And then also added some added points for cohesion. You know, I, I had to add some data in there. Um, I listened to them while at work. Oh, so as did I. And did, also- and did uh, not that, <laughs> 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 but I'm not surprised. I'm excited. All right. What, 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 what do you, what is your data? What are your stats? Um, so I essentially, I rated every song, um, on a one to five scale, no, no point fives, just like you either got one, two, three, four or five to mm-hmm. the average of that to kind of give each album its own like average score. Um, and then I, I added like a point one or point oh five points based on if I just thought the album was exceptional at matching the themes of the movie or just being a cohesive album or like soundtrack in general. 
Um, and then once I tallied up the scores, I was like, okay, I think I kind of like this list. Um, so for, for how I judge things, if a song has a few, like, just like really great songs, like classics, it can kind of, it can kind of like jump the numbers a bit. And so I will say lose yourself being on this as well as, um, eight mile because eight mile, I feel like is an underrated Eminem song that doesn't get talked about a lot. But it's also very, very good. Um, and I feel like that plus Rabbit Run are kind of just Eminem doing what he does best um, before he started to get really weird with it. <laughs> um, it's just like just him rapping and showing off his exceptional rapping ability. So I really liked those songs. Um, I thought Wangsta by 50 Cent was a really good, really good song. But what I didn't, I guess, really appreciate was how monotonous some of the production was across this soundtrack. Yeah. It was like Eminem was like, I like to produce one way. And so I'm going to produce every song on here that like I'm involved with that same way. And everybody else can just rap on top of that. And I was like, I felt, ah, that way, I, I felt that way about his production on Tupac Resurrection, too. Yes. Yep, I was like, oh, I'm agree. listening to a Tupac song with Eminem <laughs> tinges in the background. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Um also notable that um, Nas's song on this album, <laughs> You Wanna Be Me, uh, like this took place like right when him and Jay-Z were in the middle of their historic beef. So he was mm-hmm. likely talking about Jay-Z on that song and Jay-Z was also on the soundtrack. So I would just love to be a fly on the wall when like, you know, maybe Eminem sent Jay-Z, oh, here's the soundtrack with your, your song on it. Like, and he listens to Nas's song and he's pretty much just like another diss track aimed at Jay-Z. Also, you know, you, you, you talk about sound hip hop soundtracks that weave a lot of R and B into them. Mm -hmm. Random Macy Gray popping up in this as the only representation I think of R and B. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Very. Uh, Yep. The only one. (laughs) Very weird. Only have one. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any favorite tracks from this one? Yeah, I mean, I uh, and we did say uh, other in our you know agenda here, other than the ones that we talked about. Yeah, for, so lose yourself, of course, is you know the the, the top tier one on here. Yeah, but um, we're we're ignoring the songs that we talked about in our uh, best song made for a movie. So I have uh, Wangsta, which is just like mm-hmm. so two thousand two. Who doesn't love that? And then uh, I really liked Rabbit Run. What I liked about it a lot was um, that it, it almost seemed like, and we were we were kind of talked about this before, but mm-hmm. in the movie he's like writing down rhymes in his notebook, and almost yeah. as if like in a, in a normal biopic he would then this would end with him making that song. We would yep. see him writing, and then he make that song. This felt like that song that he was writing. Mm-hmm. And I liked how unfinished the lyric sounded or how young there's like a section where he says, I can't think of a rhyme. And then he just changes his scheme. I really liked it. And I feel like that was on purpose. He put that in there to be like, this is a, a, a song by an inexperienced rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really liked rabbit run a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked rabbit run. Um, Wanksa, those are also on my, my other list. And then eight mile, the, the title track. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that is all I have for eight mile. We can all jump right. to the next one, which is like I lost above the rim Above the rim. Mm-hmm. This soundtrack was released in March of 1994, actually three days after my birthday in 1994, Ooh. my third birthday. Um, 
debuted at number four on the Billboard 200, um, which I was very surprised by. But I think I just have to remember how different the the music and the charting game was 30 years ago. Um, it peaked at number two three weeks later uh, on the hip hop and R&B charts. It debuted at number one and it was on that chart for 40 weeks. Uh, certified double platinum by August of that year, so about six months. Um, I mentioned before in this series that this soundtrack was kind of a death row record showcase. Um, it was executive produced by Suge Knight. Dr. Dre was a supervising producer. Uh, so there are features from The Dog Pound, Second to None, Lady of Rage, Pac, Snoop, uh, a lot of those death row uh, label mates. Um, three songs from the cassette did not make the CD, including two Tupac songs, Pain being one of them, which uh, we talked about in the best original songs category. Um, so I didn't consider Pain for this since it was kind of on like the deluxe part. I just stopped at the original one. Yeah, so did I. Um, and Regulate, of course, was the most notable song on the album uh, that we also discussed in the best original songs list. Um, I... I thought this album was pretty good. I had, I had heard so many times, like in lists above the rim, one of the best hip hop soundtracks. Um, and this was like maybe before I like really like listened listened to it. So I went into it like ready to either be blown away or like have those expectations <laughs> kind of uh, null and void. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Um, I think G funk is such a really like cool genre of hip hop, subgenre of hip hop. And I love listening to some of the lesser known songs from that era and that style because they're still pretty damn good. And I think because of the G funk songs on this album, like this album definitely sounds like a West coast death row album. But honestly, this album, I think for me was best because of the random R&B songs on it. Like I really enjoyed all of the R&B on this album. Um, The album had a great start and then a solid middle. And then I thought the end of the album was just okay. What did did you think about this one? Um, I I really enjoyed it. I thought that, uh, I think it's funny that there's two songs on here Mm -hmm. that would go on to be at least partially. So you got Big Pimpin'. Mm-hmm. which isn't the Jay-Z song. Mm-hmm. And then you have Part-Time Lover, which isn't that one song that I know that f- samples that. Oh, gosh. Do you remember? What's, what song is that, though? Let me see. Let me pull you, that You know up. what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, yeah. The Part-Time Lover, that one. Uh, and I was ex- I saw that on the track list, and I was like, oh, that's good. I haven't heard that in a while, and it wasn't that song. But this really felt... Um, t- to me, it felt very cohesive. It felt like the... Uh, Suge Knight and 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 Dre really tried to make the best collection of songs they could that also fit the movie. It mm-hmm. felt like a um, like a summer day in the sun. It really it, it 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 had that energy to it. I thought that it got off to a terrific start. Yeah, uh, I that agree. I mean it's one of my standouts. But anything. Yeah, SWV. SWV is so I good. Never, I never heard that before, and it was I literally heard the first two songs, and I went. To, I was like, "Can I still buy this this CD?" <laughs> um, and uh, you can. I didn't, but you can. Um, <laughs> it's like fifteen bucks on Amazon, but oh, okay. you know, I I uh, I was really taken by how 
kind of cohesive. I thought the whole thing felt and um, how much care they were like, we're going to make this really good. We, you know, uh, whereas again, especially compared to the one we had heard before that, maybe that's why it ranks so high on my list, mm-hmm. but compared to the one before it felt like a lot of effort was put into this and it really showed and it really fit the, the look of the film. Um, it felt like outdoor summer basketball to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the production on this album was just really good. There's mm-hmm. so many people produced. Um, so there wasn't like just one that we could point to, but like everybody, <laughs> it seemed understood the assignment and what they were, were trying to do. And yeah, I did think it was very cohesive. Um, but yeah. Oh man, that, that first, the first like three songs, from oh anything God. old time, second part-time lover. I was like, this is great. I was <laughs> like, is this going to be the, is this actually going to be the best <laughs> hip hop, soundtrack and then as we as we like kept going on and like more average songs kind of kind of like swayed the the ranking i was like okay but still still very good um, do you have the part-time lover sample do you know what song that is i'm thinking of yeah so it says it was sampled in an adina howard song do you want to ride is that the one you were thinking of no it also you know says it samples a Cool in the Gang song, so maybe you were thinking of that. Maybe I was thinking the Cool in the Gang song. I don't know. Oh. It, maybe it, maybe it was a different song that says "Part Time Lover." Oh, maybe that they. Maybe. Say, I don't know. I'll never get it, but it's fine. <laughs> um, did you have any any other favorites from this one? Um, the ones that I wrote down were anything, and then the other one was uh, Afro Puffs by the Lady yes. who like blew my mind. I was like, oh. who is this? She is. And she, she has one album, and it's not on Spotify. Yeah, and I got. I was like, son of a bitch. It's yeah, lady, I listen to on the ride home. <laughs> she's. She's like. I feel like it's an inf- unfortunate story because she was part of Death Row. Um, she was like. I think she was maybe the only the woman rapper on the label. Mm-hmm. Um, she was supposed to be the next album to be released after like they did like the Chronic and like I think maybe Snoop's album. And then her album just kept getting shelved like over and over, I think until the point that she like ended up leaving the label and she released it like years later after like all of her hype had kind of had kind of dissipated. Um, and so, and, and she's amazing. She's an incredible rapper and she actually went on to have like a decent acting career. Um, I, I don't know that. if you ever watched the Steve Harvey show. Um, no, she was like one day. of the main characters. I did yeah. say that she was, yeah. yeah. And she was really she, good on it. She killed it on that song. And it's an interesting thing where it seems more common that female rappers mm-hmm. kind of fade out of the industry way more than their male counterparts who, who mm-hmm. have are able to continue and have longevity or like they'll stop doing it. You know, there was uh, mm-hmm. there was no name said she's going to stop making music recently. You know, it's just like, it's a very, I wonder what that is um, that I just feel like it's more prevalent in female rappers and sucks. Cause like, they're so good. And yeah. I love that. She did such a good job on this song. Yeah. Afro um, Puffs is so good. And it's this, yeah. this was, this is at this point, her, her most notable song because she completely slayed it. And I, I think I read um, she's from, she might be from like Virginia or something, but she was more of an East coast sound. And she was just like messing around 
when she was recording this song and she was like, don't put that on the soundtrack. Like I was just messing around. I don't want people to like, <laughs> I don't want this to be like my, my intro into the game. And they put it on the album anyway. And it turned out to be one of her biggest hits. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I feel like in her specific case, it seemed like the, the men in charge of the label just didn't really put the time in to like actually invest in her career when they needed to. And so she got put to the side until it was too late. Um, and then she ended up like, like walking away from rap altogether to do the acting thing. And then I think she came back to do a couple things, but yeah, her, her career could have been, we could have been talking about like one of the best, uh, female rappers of all time. If they had actually put the time into around the same time as Queen Latifah too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about so you? Yeah, what songs Afro, stand out for you? Afro Pups for sure. Um, Old Time Sake, Anytime by SWV. Also, <laughs> there was this G Funk song on there called Doggy Style by, let me find out who the, by DJ Rogers. I'd never heard of him, but I found myself really liking that song. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as the the album Ender Dog Pound for Life uh, with yeah. Corrupt and Das from Dog Pound. But yeah, really good, really good soundtrack and cohesive. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's move on to all right. The Brown Sugar soundtrack um, released in September of 2002. Um, The movie, if you all don't know, is a rom-com about two friends in the music industry. Uh, Tay Diggs and I Lathan are the the main characters, but lots of hip hop artists, cameos, most deaf and Queen Latifah kind of both play the, uh, the supporting roles to Sanai and Tay Diggs and also kind of the like comedic relief roles of the movie. Um, and they both killed it. Um, one thing I've noticed doing research for this series is that R and B in these movie soundtracks has been really good. Like a lot of these soundtracks have like all time classic or elite R and B songs on them. This one is an example of that. Love of My Life by Erica Badu and Common, which I think could equally be an R&B and hip hop song because it's literally about hip hop, um, but it just takes more of a neo soul kind of vibe to it. Um, That song also won a Best R&B Song Grammy in 2003. The production on this album is elite with Kanye producing all of the most deaf Black Star songs. Uh, Angie Stone, Raphael Sadiq, Missy Elliott getting involved. And this was the first time that we'd heard from Black Star um, since their debut album in 1998. So this was kind of like a reunion for a lot of people listening to this soundtrack. Uh, Magic Johnson was an executive producer of the film and this soundtrack, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, he has like a Magic Johnson like productions in the opening credits. Which <laughs> yeah. Is funny. And, you know. Now that I've seen uh, Winning Time, that show that's on uh, HBO about the rise of the Lakers, I'm sure somebody just came to him and was like, yo, you want to like produce a soundtrack? And he was like, sure, here's some money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure uh, we shouldn't dig too deep into his involvement with this, but interesting that his name was on it. Um, compared to the last two projects, this soundtrack didn't, fair as well it debuted at 18 on the billboard 200 peaked at 16 about a month later on the hip-hop charts it debuted at number two and was on the chart for 27 weeks but it did not go gold it did not go platinum um it didn't uh didn't do the the numbers that like above the rim or eight mile did but uh what were your thoughts about this one about the soundtrack 
Um, I thought it was great. I thought that, mm-hmm. again, it, it, it plays to, and I think I say this a lot, but uh, an album for me is best when it can provoke a feeling. And I think of the poster for this, which has uh, Sanaa Lathan and, uh, and Tay Diggs in, in an embrace, and they're wearing autumn colors, and there's like an autumn tree mm-hmm. behind them. This album felt like autumn. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know what I mean by that, but it just it, it it put me in a place of like cool wind, leaves on the ground, trees rustling. I just I felt that with this. Um, the most deaf influences were incredible on this mm-hmm. album. The artist that they got is like a murder's row of <laughs> talent. Like it's just incredible the people they they got to collaborate on this. Um, I thought it was great. I, I, I want to talk about the movie for a second. So <laughs> this is my, I think, second time seeing this. I saw this in theaters when mm-hmm. I was 11. This is my second time seeing it. And I liked it. I liked the how – I liked uh, I liked the movie. Um, I thought it was pretty well written. I thought the dialogue scenes were really well done. I thought especially the scene between Tate Diggs and his wife in the pool hall was great. Oh, yeah. Um, I agree. A very mature scene that I really enjoyed. I thought it was shocking when Tay Diggs was like, come on, we're in our late 20s. <laughs> or we're, we're, we're almost 30. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> You're out of your mind. <laughs> it's like, it's just a bunch of 28-year-olds figuring it out. <laughs> uh, I thought that it's, it's, a beaut- it's a great ode to hip-hop. Um, mm-hmm. My issue is mainly with the... Just kind of the whole Tay Diggs character. Uh, I thought that <laughs> he was very selfish, and like I, I did like that they never in these kind of romantic comedies when the two people you want to get together have other spouses. There's a tendency to make those other spouses evil, uh, so that we could ease, so that we could easily go, great, get rid of him. Yeah, I don't feel bad. The best romantic comedies, like My Best Friend's Wedding, are ones where the person they're with is a nice person and does nothing wrong. And so the movie then has to work even harder to get us to go, I hope you dump this nice person. Got you. And break, break their heart to get with our hero. Mm-hmm. This movie did that almost unsuccessfully with Tay Diggs' wife. You know, she's flirting, but her flirting is in response to his negligence of her feelings yeah. and, and his um, adoration towards Sanaa Lathan, which, I mean, who, who can, if only my childhood friend grew up to be Sanaa Lathan. <laughs> right? um, and, and I felt that they, it did a pretty good job of making her sympathetic at the end. Like, you know, they have that whole scene where he busts in on her at dinner mm-hmm. with the guy and I'm like, oh, here it comes, right? She's going to be like the this – is, this is the turn. But they didn't go that way, which is really why I like the pool scene. They, the, the pool hall scene, they kind of did with Sanaa's guy who yeah. doesn't read her articles. And then in the next scene, Tay Diggs quotes her first article. I'm like, all right, I'll calm down, movie. Let's relax. You know? And he's like, of course I read every article. I'm like, you've known this guy for two months. He is a basketball. He has a lot to do. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, if she could just say, oh, I'd like you to read my work. You know, I, I want your opinion on it. That'd be great. You know, but he was like, I think the fact that he lied was bad, but they, they did an easy job of making him unlikable in that regard. Yeah. But Tadig's actions were, you know, he's, he's so, I'm mainly getting to the part after the dinner scene where they go back to Sanaa Lathan's house and he basically pins her against a bookshelf. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now she's in a relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. 
And she's not sure she wants to do this. And then he kisses her because he's the hero. It's fine. If imagine for a second that scene played out, but he was uh, like someone who took her out on one date or he mm-hmm. was like a, a platonic friend. She didn't have feelings for. It's a whole different vibe. Yeah. And I felt really uncomfortable in that scene. And I was like, just because you're upset <laughs> and it's, it's like, he was like, you know, I'm upset. I was hurt. I want to get back at somebody. You've always liked me, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've always yeah, liked me. It was kind me. of manipulative so in the moment. Why don't you make me feel a little better by myself? And I can make you feel better. Um, that, that did bug me, but the movie is, is good. I, the most deaf is great in it. That, that dinner scene where everyone's drunk and the editing is very choppy. I think it's really well done. Uh, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's Rick. Uh, what's his name? The, the director. director. He also, yeah, he also directed Dope. Rick. Uh, uh, fa- oh boy. You see. know what? I was thinking oh, of uh, Famo Famo Yiwa. I was thinking yeah, I of Kerry Fukun. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of Kerry Fukunaga who did No Time to Die, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Fukunaga. And then I read it, and I was like, I don't know, I was wrong, <laughs> and I'm terrible at names. So I'm glad you tried. Um, <laughs> Movie's very well shot. They're both very charming together. Taydig's a little over the top, but Sanaa's great. Yeah, and uh, and I did like the movie. I just had a few problems with the characters. Um, yeah, the soundtrack is great though. I really really loved it, and um, it doesn't surprise me though that it didn't do great numbers. No, because yeah, it's Neo after Soul a time didn't really do too exactly, too numbers. and it's also after a time in the '90s where soundtracks were big, but you had to have a huge hit in the center of it. Mm -hmm. And then in the two thousands, especially the early two thousands, it's even more crucial that you have a big name behind it. Yeah. You know, we just talked about eight miles success. That was the same year as this. Mm -hmm. Why did that do numbers? It had Eminem on it. No offense to most Def, who's incredible, but he's not pulling in those numbers. So it makes sense. But they, they they put a great product together. I really love the soundtrack. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I love that kind of most deaf um, kind of led the charge uh, on the soundtrack. He had like songs sprinkled throughout kind of all around the same uh, theme as Brown Sugar. Um, A great look into pre-Kanye producing. This is before Kanye like even put out his first album. Like He was strictly a producer at this point. And so a good look into the type of sound that he had at the time. Uh, there are three hall of fame, classic songs on this album, a lot of solid contributions from legends like Mary J. Blige and Jill Scott. Um, and also some solid R and B joints from artists I hadn't heard of. Um, interesting choice with that time after time cover, but you know, other than that, it works, it works in the movie when you're listening to it. Yes. When you're listening to it, you're like, Oh, this is strange. Very strange on the soundtrack, but yeah, in the movie it was fine. Um, my favorite songs, obviously, Love My Life, uh, Erica Badu and Common, as well as Act Two, um, which is kind of like the the hip hop complement to that song by The Roots, um, were some of my favorites. Also, that Paid in Full remix by Eric B and Rakim is like a all time hip hop classic. Uh, and then I think my favorite of the most deaf songs was probably Breakdown, but I also really like Brown Sugar Fine. Um, what about you? Uh, mine were uh, Peyton Full, Seven Minutes of Madness. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my number one was actually the uh, the opening track, the Brown oh, nice. Sugar Extra Street with Faith Evans and, and most of Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really good puts you in the mood. Really puts you in the mood <laughs> for the album. Yeah, I agree. For the album, excuse <laughs> me. You know what, Ahmad? 
<laughs> I mean, it is brown sugar. It does put you in the mood. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. Moving on to our next one. Black Panther soundtrack released February 9th, 2018. Um Statistics-wise, debuted at number one on Billboard 200, sold 154,000 in the first week, um, which for 2018 is is pretty huge. Good. Yeah. yeah, stayed at number one in week two, selling an additional 131, so not that big a drop in week two, and it was certified platinum uh, about two months later in May of that year, three months. Uh, on the hip hop chart, debuted at number one, was on the chart for 39 weeks. Um, Ryan Coogler, the director, reached out to Kendrick and TDE directly and asked them to curate a soundtrack for the film. He wanted to explore the theme of what it means to be African and TDE used that template and understood the assignment. He wanted the sound to reflect the modern day time of the movie and TDE had full creative control over the soundtrack. Shout out to Marvel. Yeah, no, sh- no, no shit. <laughs> right. I don't think, I don't think Disney was writing off a lot of those songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 90% of the album was produced by Soundwave, which is TDE's in-house producer, and the rest were familiar TDE collaborators. Uh, Kugler actually worked closely enough uh, with TDE that he gave them a list of people and worked with them on who he wanted to feature on the album. So he had ideas about artists that he, he wanted to be included, and they worked on him with that. Every artist on the TDE roster was featured, and there were features from many high-profile hip-hop artists, as well as contributions from lesser-known local Californian artists, as well as South African artists. Also notable that Kendrick lended vocals to every single track, so it really felt like a a Kendrick-led project. Uh, Around 80% of the album was created and recorded while Kendrick was on the Damn Tour, and then when they got back, they took like maybe a month or two to kind of finish up the collaborations and the mixing and mastering. All the stars with SZA and King's Dead with future James Blake and uh, J-Rock uh, were the leading singles for the soundtrack. Um, general thoughts on this album? I mean, it's... It's terrific. It's, I don't know <laughs> yeah. what else could be said about it. It's a masterpiece. I think that um, I think Kugler really dug himself a hole here because <laughs> so. in four days we are going to be six months away from the scheduled release of Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, mm. which is scheduled for November eleventh, twenty twenty-two. Okay. Do you think they're doing this again? Is it with somebody else? Like, I feel like there's got to be some kind of precedent. Precedent that you have. How, how do you not? There's. Wouldn't it feel weird if there wasn't? It it would feel weird if there was no soundtrack, and it would feel weird if there was a soundtrack, but it wasn't curated to this level. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. He did. He put himself in a bad spot. If I were him, I would either ask TDE to run it back and just make TDE. Like yeah. the like, they're just like the the Black Panther soundtrack group. Or you gotta if you gotta go as hard as you did with this with another artist, like get another big artist. Like to, who? I mean, who's yeah, who's there? Is it like do you pay Beyonce and Jay Z a sure. billion dollars to do like a collab album where it's like rap and hip hop and it's all kind of like it has to yeah. be at a level of Kendrick? It does. It does. And yeah. That's, that's tough to hit, you know. That is, yeah. That's a that's a good point. 
I just, I, I think that's, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think that's crazy. Um, I think luckily people will have other curiosities about the film and the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So no, this, this it's, it's, it's incredible. It's so cohesive. So many of these songs have made, made my gym playlist back in the day. They're so yeah. good. Um, the merging of the score yes. into the music is so seamless and brings exactly what you want from a soundtrack, which is individuality in the songs while also putting you in a place of watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It's reminiscent of the movie. You think of the movie when you hear it. Um, and then also the songs are great. The lyrics are great. Everyone crushes and it's just terrific. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Completely what do you agree. think? Do you, th- do you think it's good? No, yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. And actually, like going into this, I was like, "Well, Black Panther is the best well, soundtrack on this list." And like, then, well, then we like, kept listening. Um, so we'll get it was, into that. It was, it was like that song. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think outside of the dope performances, uh, as you mentioned, the cohesion of the soundtrack is its greatest strength. Like. The, the mixing of the score into the soundtrack and vice versa, because uh, Ludwig Gornson even took elements from the songs and kind of like, like weave them into the movie as well. And just like that, the, the, all of them being on the same page was just great. I love hearing the different South African artists rap with the American artists because they easily could have segregated them to be like, Oh, this is a song with the South African artists. Um, and this is a song with like Travis Scott and Kendrick, but like mixing the artists in with the American artists uh, aligned on that theme was also great. And also part of the, you know, the theme of the, the movie in that way. And I thought it produced dope results. Um, some of the hottest artists at the time, like Travis, Vince Staples, Anderson Pac made the album feel even bigger. Yeah, this is, this is a great soundtrack. Um, it was hard for me to choose my favorite songs because I really like so many, but I wrote down paramedic for sure. The ways uh, with Khaled and Sway Lee, I am with Georgia Smith and then Kings dead. Um, really love that single. What about you? Kings dead. Kings dead is great. I also had uh, I am by Georgia uh, and then pray for me. Uh, mm, with yeah, Kendrick with the, and the weekend, which I think should have been nominated as well for the, for the Oscar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, oops. Is the other one? Oh, oh, with the uh, uh, staples. Yeah, um, you get yeah. Black Rock. Awesome. Let's uh, let's jump to Friday. Uh, the Friday soundtrack released on April eleventh in ninety five. Uh, interesting info about this: the title track Friday actually spawned a beef between Ice Cube and the group Cypress Hill. Um, I read that, which is crazy because <laughs> like there's a Cypress Hill poster in the movie. Uh huh. They're on the soundtrack. Yeah, so and like it was a beef that like resulted in like multiple diss tracks between the group and Ice Cube um, because Why? they believe he did. Okay, great. Yeah, they believe he stole the hook from from their song. They had a song called "Throw Your Set in the Air," and I listened to it because I wanted to. I wanted to just see if it it sounded similar and. I don't know. It's one of those tough things where it's like, it's the same sentiment, but the words are different. And even the, like the cadence of it is a little different. So I don't know. I can see both sides, but (laughs) yeah, it ended with them embroiled in a beef after he releases. Oh boy. Um, 
This album debuted at number two on the Billboard 200, bested by a 46th week chart resurgence by the Lion King soundtrack. So like 40, like almost Wait. a year after the Lion King soundtrack entered All the right, charts. Hold on, hold on. Like, let, me, let, me, let me do some research. Yeah, for some reason, it, it all of a, a sudden surged back to the top of the charts. And so it beat Friday uh, coming out. Uh, I have a theory. Let me see if I'm correct. <laughs> Uh okay, so the Lion King. Wait, hold on. Where am I? Pocahontas. This is the oh night seventy five. That's where I'm looking. Okay, we're back here. All right, the Lion King won best original score, and can you feel the love tonight? Won best original song at the. 90, 67th Academy Awards, which happened March 27th of 1995. Yeah, okay. That's, that's so probably that it. Might, that might be why. Yep, yep. <laughs> so Friday was probably poised to have a number one uh, Billboard 200 spot, and then The Lion King was like, nope, we're back. <laughs> Rightfully so. Lion King soundtrack is amazing. Um, yep. So... The Friday soundtrack did reach number one in its third week on the chart, um, and it wow. stayed there for another week, so it did end up getting there. Um, debuted at number one on the R&B and hip-hop chart, and was on that chart for over a year, 64 weeks. Uh, it reached platinum status in June, and a year later it had gone double platinum, and that is where it sits now. Um, I thought this album was a good mix of songs um, that I feel the characters in the movie would actually listen to. Um, I feel like it, it captures kind of the vibe of that time period in that setting. Um, I appreciated the funk soul reprieve in the middle of the album, especially since artists like Bootsy Collins and Roger Troutman are noted inspirations for G-Funk as a genre in the first place. So it kind of fit that with the kind of G-Funk vibe of a lot of the other songs that they added that in there. Um, and I thought the addition of those like funk R and B songs really made the album way better than it would have been without them. So I really liked this soundtrack and I thought, um, it was a little underrated cause I feel like I haven't really heard much about the Friday soundtrack, but I thought it was really good. What'd you think? I did too. I agree completely that it sounds like an album that the characters in the movie would listen to. And, mm-hmm. um, it felt really suited for driving around in a convertible in 1995, yeah. listening to this album i, I watched uh, friday just before we recorded it was my first time watching it oh wow um i i came of age in the era of friday next friday mm-hmm. and friday after next and those trailers being played mm-hmm. so imagine my surprise <laughs> when friday ends with damn near murder I was I was like, oh, his dad's going to shit a lot and they're going to talk about girls and that's what I'm in for. And it was. And then at the end, he pulls a gun on this guy yeah. and he's really thinking about shooting him. And I was like, holy shit. And I thought it was funny that Ice Cube was like, I, wanted, I saw all these movies being made about, you know, the hood and neighborhoods that were inundated with violence and darkness and that wasn't my experience and at the end of the movie it's completely dark out he's pointing a gun (laughs) at somebody's head i'm like okay well it's a little like those movies (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) you didn't completely shy away from that but fine (laughs) um 
it I, it really surprised the hell out of me. I thought I really I did like the movie though. I thought it was I loved how low key it was. I'm terrified to watch the other two because <laughs> this this was so low key and there wasn't a lot of gags in each scene. You know, uh-huh. scenes just kind of happened. It was all very l- relaxed and and it wasn't pent up on mm-hmm. jokes and stuff. The jokes came from the natural interactions of characters. I'm terrified about what Mike Epps is going to do in these movies compared to Chris Tucker. <laughs> Uh, but I, will, I, I yeah, go ahead. I, I will say next Friday is still really good and is like is held in high regard um, okay. in the black community. Friday after next is not so. <laughs> I think what, you, you, what what is it about Friday after next that is not? I don't, I don't know. It seems I feel like it was. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember it being like way more over the top than the the other two were, okay. and just like not being as funny. Um, like I, I think they just might have worn out their welcome. I'm, I do want to kind of rewatch those because I haven't seen them in a while. But yeah. also, what a what a cast: Neil Long, yeah. Bernie Mac, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Regina King, Oscar winner. Yeah, Regina King. Um, F. Gary Gray as a cameo. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know that. As he's he's the store owner who tells the guy who slips. He's like, "Would you get out of here?" That was oh, not even wet. interesting. That's F. Gary Gray who drew his first movie. Uh, it was good, but yeah, the, the the soundtrack is is very good. My only the reason why it's not higher on my list mm-hmm. is because um, Ice Cube's songs in it are his rapping persona, which is not the persona in the movie. So it feels very disconnected. Oh, from the movie itself, like he's the opening track of this very kind of laid back movie about hanging out. You know, and being with your mm. friends and getting girls is just angry ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, this, I'm very tense now. I'm not like, you know. Um, but other than that, I, I, th- I thought it was really well put together and, and, uh, and a lot of fun. Awesome. What were your favorite songs? All right. So I really liked Coast to Coast by The Alcoholics. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that one. And then my other one was I, I, Mary Jane uh, is always great. Yes, by Rick by James. Rick James. So good. Um, but my number one that I just kept being like, see, this is nice. <laughs> and I did it when they played in the movie. Uh, it's a song we've all heard a million times, but I want to get next to you. Oh, so, my Rolls Royce. It's so good. I don't yeah. like just listening to that. I'm just like, oh, I just want to like lie in the grass. You know, I <laughs> yeah. just want to. It's and great. it was actually, did you know that was written for Car Wash? No, I didn't. Which was directed by that oh, guy. Oh, I did directed, know that because I saw it was on the Car Wash soundtrack. I did see that. Directed by that guy who directed that other thing that we talked about. One of our, remember I said, uh, he directed, um, hold on, it was the first episode. He also directed Cooley High. Oh, which you did you. Which surprised you. And it was because. Oh, what's that dude's name? Hold on. Oh, it was, a, it was Kush Groove. Oh, right, 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 right. He also directed Kush Groove. Okay, got it. I'm there. What about you? What, what, uh, what stood Mike out about the soundtrack Schultz. for you? Um, I thought the the Cube and the Dre song, the first two songs on the album, Keep Your Heads Ringing and Friday, were definitely like the like these were the hip hop ones that were like, okay, this is <laughs> these are these are gonna get all the, the hits from this. But I also loved Mary Jane by Rick James, and I love the Bootsy Collins song, uh, You Got Me Wide Open. Just great. Mm-hmm. It was great. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Um, let's move to how high... Um, the soundtrack released December 11th of 2001. Um, a 20-song and skit album for a stoner film starring Method Man and Red Man, and they took point on the soundtrack as well, with only four songs not featuring one of them. Uh, debuted at 43 on the Billboard 200, peaked at 38. Debuted at number six on the top hip-hop and R&B charts, spent about 15 weeks on the chart. Um I thought this was a, a solid album. Method Man and Red Man in their primes doing most of the legwork. Like that's that's gonna work to some extent because they're just really good rappers. Um it's not it's not at best hip hop soundtrack ever levels to me. Um I thought it was just like it was just good. Um Wikipedia actually had a list of songs that were played in the movie. I, um, I noticed that when watching it. There yeah, and credits, but weren't on the soundtrack. And it's honestly an incredible list of songs. It's, it's like this the album, 8 Mile. Yeah, this would have ranked much higher if that was a soundtrack. Just some of the songs. Uh, Fire by Ohio Players. Jammin' by Bob Marley. Uh, I Want to Get High by Cypress Hill. Woo Wear by RZA. 
Would You Mind by Janet Jackson. Uh, there's an Ike and Tina song on there, a DMX song, Sweet Thing by Mary J. Blige, Bombs Over Zagdad by Outkast. Yes. During a during a uh, a montage, wasn't there wasn't there um uh all I have is bombs over Baghdad playing in my head um <laughs> the uh, uh this is how we do it or wasn't there a party song that I always uh, I don't know maybe I'm wrong there was probably, some song oh party. flashlight by Parliament is on there flashlight mm. you probably you'll probably recognize it once you hear it sure it. Did, no, not not based on that, but maybe maybe. What um did did you rewatch this recently? No, or are you yet. saving it for next week? Yeah, I'll probably save it for um, I watched it. Oh, did you? I almost well, texted you. Um, save I, your, okay, save we, your movie thoughts. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> I got a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, what did you what did you think about the soundtrack? Yeah, I, I agree. It's always, I mean, you can't have like a terrible soundtrack that's mainly Method Man and, and <laughs> yeah. Red Man. Yeah. But it also didn't feel like their best efforts mm. on it. Um, I think it's also, just, it might just be the Eminem thing. It's just too much put into the movie that by the time they get to the music, mm-hmm. they're like, I'm, I'm tired of this movie. I don't want to do any of this. But yeah. None of them, none of their songs really stood out aside from. They're songs that we already had heard. Uh, one of them is in my list, but um, I don't know. You can't really have a Limp Biscuit contribution on your album and get me to say a lot of positive things about it. They do have two. I did like that song, though. <laughs> I couldn't get past Limp Biscuit. They do have two uh, like bona fide classics from that era back to back. Yeah, they do. Party up in here and what's your fantasy? Just. Yeah. It really doesn't get more 2001 than that. Absolutely. Um, so, again, it, it's it's a pleasant listen because they're so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But you also just expect more because they're so good at what they do. That's fair. Yeah. Um, what were your favorite songs outside of the the like DMX and the Ludacris song? Uh, well, no, Party Up in Here was on my list because <laughs> mm-hmm. we didn't talk about that on the last one, so I could. Oh, put I just that. mean and like, then, did you have uh, any other ones besides those? Yes, I did. I uh, br- bring the pain, obviously. Oh yeah, it's just That's so one good. of the best hip hop songs ever. Yeah, yeah. So that that had to make the uh, the list. Those are the two that I put out. Nice. Um, yeah, I liked all of those as well. I also liked In Together Now. Um, and as far as like the Method Man Red Man collabs, I liked Part Two and I liked Big Dogs. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a solid soundtrack. I would I listen to long. it again? Maybe. Um, I probably just listen to those songs. Yeah, twenty songs is is too much. So it's an hour and two minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's almost as long as the movie. That's two thirds of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to How High. Well, um, I'm I'm gonna have to rewatch that so that we can Woo-hoo. see if it uh, is as good as the soundtrack. Probably not. Um, let's <laughs> jump to Juice. Um, released <laughs> December thirty first, nineteen ninety one. Um, wow. Put out an album on New Year's Eve. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, really strange. <laughs> yeah. Really strange. Also, yeah, like the lead single came out then too. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Maybe they were just like, this is for, we want you all to party to this soundtrack from Juice. So <laughs> yeah, I got um, to I gotta get to my New Year's Eve party, but first I have to stop off at a record right. store. Um, 
Interesting info about this. The song Know the Ledge by Eric B. and Rakim uh, is the song that 50 Cent cites as made that made him want to become a rapper. So that's interesting. Um, I believe it. <laughs> debuted at number 174 on the Billboard 200. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Peaked at number 17 a month later. Uh, debuted at number 70 on the top hip hop and R&B. Yeah, maybe you don't release it on a holiday. Yeah, I think that was probably to their detriment. And it peaked at number three in March, and it spent about 27 weeks on that chart. Um, it was also certified gold that March, and that is as far as it would go. Um, thoughts about the Juice soundtrack? You know, I, uh, I, I liked it. I think it's a terrific collection of early hip hop. Like the, the mm-hmm. people on here... Um, you know, uh, EPMD, Salt and Pepper, mm-hmm. uh, MC Poo. They have a lot of great Big Daddy Kane. They got a lot of great early. It's like a it's like a history book about hip hop. You can like listen to this and be like, this is pretty much who was doing it then for the most part. Um, so I did think it was good. I thought it was pretty cohesive. I thought it matched the the tone of the movie. Certainly, I, th- I thought it was it was very solid. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I had to say. I literally wrote this was a who's who of some of the best rappers from that time period. Um, and I thought the list of the contributors to the soundtrack is iconic in itself. And their strength alone got this soundtrack to the table. Uh, yeah, it was solid performances. Lots of songs that kind of match the plot and themes of the movie. A few of the songs were written specifically for the movie. I thought it was solid. Um, my favorite songs were Know the Ledge, the Eric B. and Rakim song. And Is It Good To You by Teddy Riley. I really enjoyed that one. What about you? Uh, mine were, of course, Know The Ledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrific. And then It's Going Down by EMPD. Oh, okay. 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 It was great. Like. All right. Uh, moving on to the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack, uh, released July 15th in 2003. Um, I thought one of the best things to happen to this project was Diddy becoming the executive producer. This was at a time when Diddy was attempting to rebuild some success with a relaunching of his bad boy uh, record label with Universal. The soundtrack was the first release on that new label. Uh, I feel like Diddy and the cast that he picked for this soundtrack brought some of that 2000s flashiness and excitement to the album for a movie that would bring enough of that itself. Um, it debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, stayed at number one for four consecutive weeks, selling 800,000 in the first month, which is crazy. Um, 324,000 in the first week, stayed on the chart for about half a year. Shortly after that, it was certified platinum on the hip hop and R&B charts, debuted at number one, stayed at number one for four consecutive weeks, stayed on the chart for 26 weeks. So half a year. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts about this soundtrack? So I think the production is 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 pretty great. I think mm-hmm. that it it obviously feels as a whole, and that's because you have one super producer putting it mainly all together. Um, but the movie is so over the top and in your face mm-hmm. that I w- needed the soundtrack to be the same. And for yeah. a lot of it, it's not. The movie is so gaudy and exuberant and like flashy and over the top that it was really surprising that like once we get past shake it tail feather, the soundtrack mm-hmm. is the first three songs, like show me your soul, la 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 and shake it. Tail feather, they're all like, this is where the soundtrack needs to be. Exactly. Yep. It needs to hold this space and then it doesn't at all. And it was very surprising and disappointing to get through this and be like, I don't, I don't know what happened, but like, there's not a lot of these that are really standing out at all. Completely agree. 
I completely agree. I was like, I when I just looked at this track list, I was like, oh, I, I think this is going to hold up. Just looking at like the first like three, like four to five songs. And then we got to the yeah. middle and I was like, man, this is really dragging a little bit. Like I, I needed like five shake your tail feather level songs yes. on the soundtrack. and Make it and, fun. And, like it's not yeah. in shake your tail feather. He says, which is an odd line. Is that your ass or is your mama half reindeer? Which like. Why does one mean the other? Is that your ass? Because if it's not, your mom must be after. Would reindeers have asses? I think that was kind of the point. But like, I need that kind of joke and just like, isn't this crazy? Yeah. Throughout the whole yeah. album, and we just like we get like a like a really honestly not good at all Justin Timberlake song. I'm just like, I don't. Yeah, it's all right. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> um, but those for so like, show me your soul is great. Uh, La 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 is great. I think the two I have is Shake Your Tail Feather, obviously, and mm-hmm. La 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 by Jay Z. Um, those I are had, my two for this I album. I those two as well. And I also added Girl, I'm a Bad Boy. I kind of like that one with uh, Fat Joe, Diddy. Um, yeah, sure. It was actually right after Shake Your Tail Feather. So, yeah, like really the, the album peaked <laughs> in like the first yeah. third of the and it's album. another long album. It's 18 songs. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it kind of gives you a lot of average to below average songs on there. So, yeah. That's the Bad Boy 2 soundtrack. I definitely thought it was going to hit harder than it did. Um, yes. and that was maybe how, because of the movie. Maybe I just thought the movie would carry over. And it, it also, really how did. do you not get Will Smith on a song? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, a really year after Men in Black 2. He had Nod Your Head a year before this. So he's wow, not yeah. – it hasn't been like so long that he's not doing it anymore. I don't know how Diddy isn't like – this is like the big launch of this new phase of my mm-hmm. record label, this huge collab. Like let's get you in, in the studio with something. Yeah, it, it should have come harder. Like this was a big-budget soundtrack mm-hmm. for a big-budget movie. And like you yeah. had Nelly, Jay-Z, Fat Joe, Beyonce, Neptunes, like really just like peak 2000s. And it just it, – it really should have hit harder. It was disappointing. Yeah. Um, speaking of Men in Black uh, with Nod Your Heads, we're going to go back to the first movie because we're going to talk about okay. the Men in Black soundtrack. All right. Now, please explain <laughs> to me why there's so much sex in the soundtrack. <laughs> Released July 1st, 1997. Um, I think the labels in the studios knew what they were doing with this soundtrack. The lead singles were by Will Smith, Nas, Snoop Dogg, and Jermaine Dupree in summer of 1997. Like, this was born to to blow up the charts. Like... They were at the top of their games in 97. It debuted at number two uh, on the Billboard 200, reached number one the next week, uh, selling 800 in the first month, um, 324 in the first week, stayed on the chart for 43 weeks, double platinum within a month, triple platinum by six months on the hip hop and R&B chart. It debuted and peaked at number two and stayed on the chart for 31 weeks. I mean, what a lineup led by a huge Men in Black single. We get an album that had early Alicia Keys before she had settled into what would become her sound. Like I was, was going to say, isn't like, that it's it's nothing like an Alicia Keys? It didn't even sound like like I knew no. it was Alicia Keys, and then I listened to it and I was like, "Is there a different Alicia Keys?" I was like, "Are there two Alicia Keys?" Um, yeah. And not only that, but then we also got Destiny's Child six months before they dropped their debut album. So there were songs from relatively unknown artists who would become legends. Um, I thought it was a solid soundtrack with a lot of good R&B and some rap hits from the greats. Um, I thought the Brandon Marsalis song to end the album or like at the end of the album was a very strange pick, but I also really liked it. Uh, What do you think about this soundtrack? It's a mess. (laughs) 
distractingly a mess. I'm reading the lyrics to Make You Happy by Trey oh, Lorenz. No. <laughs> yeah. Make You Never Want Another, Freak You Underneath the Covers. What movie are they talking about? <laughs> Baby, you can tell me all your fantasies. Yeah. I mean, I... <sighs> yeah, it was like I they... Just, like, it was like they, instead of making an album to match the movie, they made an album to match the time period. Like they were like, let's just get some artists from this time period together and make an album. Let's forget about the movie that we were actually, <laughs> this soundtrack is actually for. Like it is really weird. In, in my mind, it's like they said, um, we, how do we get anyone to want this album? <laughs> Like we yeah. need, we need, we need hip hop fans like this album. I want R and B fans to like this album. I want an yeah. album that you can fuck to. And everyone's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> there are aliens in this movie. What do you mean? Why <laughs> no one falls in love with anybody?" <laughs> yeah. Right, listen. So the third song is the third song is "I'm Feeling You" by Genuine. Yes. Uh-huh. And the chorus is, I'm feeling you every day and I can't let you go away. I just want to please you, love you, kiss you all over your body. Your body's calling me, baby. I'm feeling you every day and I can't let you go away. I just want to please you, love you, wow. sex you. Tell me, do you feel me? What? I mean, there was there was clearly a, a deleted scene between two aliens that we... There, I mean, unless Tommy, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones and, and Will Smith got together in the end which like fine i it's just it's so bananas to me that's the third song can you imagine putting this in and just being like is this what is this what's playing right yeah now? like you got some uh, kids who really love men in black and you're like let's listen to the soundtrack <laughs> and then you have to listen to i'm feeling you by genuine it followed by <laughs> sexy thing by alicia keys yeah. like <laughs> we just want to party with you while isn't like a romantic song is about fucking like i just yeah it was so crazy i mean it has there's great people on here oh yeah um nas tribe I, yeah the roots are on here <laughs> like, yeah, de la soul. yeah de really la soul. amazing artists yeah and i liked all their contributions i uh-huh. just didn't like any of I was just so confused and it just ruined the album. I was like, if I bought, if I loved that movie and bought this album in 1997, I would be so disappointed. Yeah, that's real. That movie is an action movie that makes you feel, you know, exhilarated when you leave and like badass. And so you want that same feeling on your soundtrack. This isn't it. This makes me want to, you know, be in a, like go home <laughs> Like, and you know, this makes you want to have sex with somebody. It doesn't make you want to like turn it up in the car mm-hmm. driving around that summer thinking about men in black. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. But it's <laughs> got some good songs on it. Favorite songs yeah, my, besides men in black. Besides obviously. men in black. Uh, the Nautic by the Roots featuring D'Angelo mm-hmm. and uh, great song. Uh, Chanel No Fever by De La Soul. I really liked. Okay. I um yeah. I like same old song by a Tribe Called Quest, and I also I also really did like the Alicia Keys and the uh, Destiny's Child song. It just. They they didn't like have the anything to do song. with the with the movie, but I like them uh, standing. The Alicia Keys song was just funny to me. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like a real yeah. song. The Destiny Child song, I was like, oh, this is good. Alicia uh-huh. Keys song, I was like, boy, oh boy, I'm really excited for you to find your voice in <laughs> yeah. two years. <laughs> yeah, she was she was clearly uh, trying things out there. <laughs> she's like she's like given a song and been like, this is what right. you will do. Yeah. yeah, you will sing this. You know. Um, all right. Moving on to the belly soundtrack, uh, November 3rd, 1998, 
no interesting info for this <laughs> for the soundtrack. Uh, debuted and peaked at number five on the Billboard 200. Stayed on the chart for 12 weeks. It was certified gold within two months. Debuted and peaked at number two on the top hip-hop and R&B. Stayed on the chart for 39 weeks. Um, this album has, I think, a lot to like, but it's kind of all over the place. Like, There's a tragic cover of a Stevie Wonder song. Uh, oh my God. Let's um, not even talk about that song. It's, that it's was... terrible. It's terrible. And and the what made it worse is that, as you know, a lot of these songs weren't available on streaming. So I had to, thankfully, YouTube had a lot of just like pre-made playlists already yeah. done with the soundtracks. So I had to, I listened to the, the streaming version of this soundtrack. And then there were two songs missing. One of them was that Stevie Wonder song. So I had to go to YouTube just to listen to those other two songs because I wanted to rate them. And then it was this terrible stevie wonder cover and i was like i'm really mad i had to go seek this song out because it was really bad um like it was produced it was produced by by diddy and i was like what it sounded just the same yeah i I don't think that's weird i don't think i finished it and i that stevie wonder song was incredible yeah yeah the original oh my god it's one of my favorite songs by him and it's never dreamed you'd leave in summer is so good it is (laughs) so and this cover was so not um there were also some really fire R&B tracks. Unfortunately, they're all written by R. Kelly. So <laughs> just, I noticed that too. What the, he wrote all, so many songs on this album. <laughs> um, there are a couple Jay-Z sightings. Ja Rule makes his debut on a couple of tracks. Wu-Tang kills it like they always do. It's not the worst soundtrack I've ever heard, but it is a mixed bag. And like, I'll probably go to it for the songs that I already like from it and not listen to it again. What about you? You know, it's, it's interesting that you say it was a mess because the movie in the same way has, is a mess and yes. the tone of it is yeah. a mess. So in my mind, they were very much cohesive with each other. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah you're right. Th- you're right. This movie doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know if it's. Uh, a drama, an action film. It's mm-hmm. like confused. So is the soundtrack. So I thought that the mixture of the R&B songs and the, the hip hop was very much in tone with the movie. So I was like, this is a good fit for belly. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And it also sounded like the movie looked like it sounded like all of these mm-hmm. um, songs would be directed by the music album. The videos would be directed by hype Williams. Yeah, that's fair. So, it did. It did fit with the overall tone of Belly. Um, so I have it in the middle of this ranking okay. uh, for that reason. My standouts were "Moving Out" by Maya, Raekwon, mm-hmm. and Noriega, which I surprisingly was into. I, it was one of those things where when I'm at work and listening to music, I'm not really listening to lyrics all that much. Yeah, yeah. And then for some reason, and not that that was the case for this, but I'm just kind of like toned tuned out doing something else and when that came on as that was playing i was like oh i'm actually like bobbing my head to this for a while yeah yeah. uh and then um the other one was uh top uh shotter shotter is that what we're saying Uh, it's not shooter yeah it does say top shotter yeah okay yeah top shotter uh dmx sean paul mr vegas that was i mean those that was really it Okay. I um I had uh Windpipe by Rizza, Ghostface Killer and ODB, mm-hmm. um Devil's Pie by uh, D'Angelo. Yeah, I did like Devil's Pie. Um I also liked No Way In, No Way Out, uh which was by uh no I can't find it on the soundtrack. Oh, it was the first song. Um it was the one that oh actually the t- the two songs that were written by R. Kelly, I actually really enjoyed the way they sounded which is unfortunate. Um, 
He also produced them. He didn't just write them. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he produced them, too. Um, and then, of course, Grand Finale was the song that we featured in our best original right. song. Yeah. So we didn't feature that one. All right. Uh, moving on to the Get Rich or Die Trying soundtrack, released November 8th, 2005. No interesting info. Uh, debuted at number two on the Billboard 200. Sold 320 in the first week. Stayed on the chart for 30 weeks. Certified platinum in a little over a month. Debuted at 87 on the top hip-hop and R&B chart. Peaked at number one the next week. Stayed on the chart for 45 weeks. Um, this album was basically a G-Unit compilation. Um, it does help a little that in 2005, that was the height of G-Unit success. So they were performing pretty well as a unit for the most part. They hadn't exactly um, had all the bad blood, which they would you know, come to have within months of releasing this. I think the game in 50 had a falling out within months of this. Um, Lloyd Banks and Young Buck definitely have a few moments where they shine. 50 Cent is in all but four songs. Is that because the game's not on here at all? He is not on. I thought that was weird because I I looked up. I was like, oh, maybe they had fallen out already. And then they hadn't yet. But I I think there might have been some, yeah, there might have been some trouble brewing. (laughs) Yeah. all in all, nothing about this album made me want to listen to it again outside of the 50 songs no. that I already knew about. It was it was no. a 50 cent G unit spectacle. That was it. No, it was similar to 8 Mile where I was just like this yeah. isn't the best you can do. Like why are you half-assing this album? I just was really like none of these really stand out. Mm-hmm. I think it's shocking that like in the movie you play Window Shopper like 3 times <laughs> when you you have Hustler's Ambition sitting oh right God, here. Yeah. Like that is the best what? song on the soundtrack. Why was that? And it it matches the theme more than yes. Window Shopper. Why would you not just make that the theme? Yeah, and like he was like, well, in one in one scene of the movie, the kid is looking at shoes in a window. <laughs> so he is a window shopper. So I think we'll put it in. And everyone's yeah. like, what? Hustler's Ambition is like the alternative title for this movie. Like it's mm-hmm. what it is. That was very surprising. But yeah, yeah. a very boring yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite tracks? <laughs> yeah, Hustler's Ambition. I only wrote yeah. one down. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I like Hustler's Ambition. I also liked um, When It Rains, It Pours, and What If. I wrote those down as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got for this one. All right. Let's talk about the Notorious soundtrack. Um, released January 13, 2009. This is the official soundtrack to the Notorious uh, uh, biopic, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It features many of Biggie's biggest hits, as well as some of his notable songs from early in his career, including some unreleased demos. It's also got some tribute tracks from Jay-Z and his wife, Faith Evans, uh, Biggie's wife, Faith Evans. Debuted at number four on the Billboard 200, selling 43,000 in the first week, uh, which makes sense for 2009. This is when we weren't really selling as much. um, Well, some people were selling as much, but it was only like the elite, the elite people in a soundtrack definitely was not going to do those numbers. Uh, stayed on the chart for nine weeks, debuted at number one on the top hip hop and R&B chart, stayed on the chart for 20 weeks. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Notorious soundtrack? Oh, that was great. I, you know, mm-hmm. you, you had te- you had um, texted me or just messaged earlier about how uh-huh. do we consider this part of the soundtrack when it's just a compilation of songs, but like what a soundtrack does, um, what I think it should do, whereas the people of men in black don't Mm -hmm. is that it should fit the themes and the tone of the movie and make, when you listen to the soundtrack, you remember watching the movie and Mm -hmm. when you're watching the movie, you can pick out the soundtrack. It's it's two halves of a whole. 
it's similar to how an adaptation of a book should be the same thing. You should be reading the book and picturing the movie you watch and you're mm-hmm. watching the movie and you can remember that it's, 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 um, it's a yin and a yang. So this did that perfectly. And what, what is interesting was it wasn't just filled with biggies hits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There were new songs. And what I think really elevates it as a soundtrack are the unreleased demos. Cause the movie is about him becoming a rapper. So that mm-hmm. enhances the movie, which is also something a soundtrack should do. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought this was great. I really enjoyed it. I'm shocked uh, Big Papa isn't on here at all. That was exactly what I said. I was like, if they had shocked. thrown Big Papa in here, it would have been a done deal. I mean, it's already a done deal, but it would have been a, a bigger done deal. Um, yeah, it's hard to compete with what is ultimately a greatest hits album by one of the inarguable, like, top two greatest rappers of all time. Like, that's like... It's it's hard to to beat that, especially when they threw in some songs that were harder to track down, like the One More Chance remix, um, Party and Bullshit, which I especially like because there is a scene, there's a big moment so in, the, in the movie when he performed Party and Bullshit. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was great. I did think that this was a relatively safe move um, on their part. I thought sure. the, I thought the Jadakiss um, and the Faith Evans tribute was really well done. And I thought it would have been interesting if they decided to do more of that, more tributes from artists who were inspired by him. Um, and then you could have Biggie songs interspersed throughout. It would have been a bigger risk. Um, um, and who knows if it would have paid off as, I mean, it definitely wouldn't have paid off as well as this. Um, but with the right contributors, it could still have been successful. But um, I thought this was good. The only other nitpick I had was, I think they could have arranged the songs differently to make the last half of the album a better listen. Like maybe put some of those demos in the top. Very top heavy. Very top heavy. Yeah. But favorite songs, like I I couldn't even, I was like, this is some of Biggie's best work. Like I really love all of it, but if I have to pick, um, I'm going to say juicy. um, Oh, I'm, I'm not looking at the soundtracks. I'm just trying to remember what songs are on uh, there. It's uh, Hypnotize, uh, Notorious yes. B.I.G., Notorious Thugs, yeah. Juicy, <sighs> Warning, One More Chance. The the fact that they, they started with Notorious Thugs, didn't they? Wasn't that the first song? Which is a weird choice. It is a weird choice, but it also it really put me in a vibe as soon as I, <laughs> I like put it on. And I was like, oh, we're, we're, starting, with, we're starting with Bone Thugs. That's interesting. But yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Did you, what were your favorites? Um, my favorites were, I, I picked one of the classic biggies, which for me is, is hypnotize. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I went for another song, uh, previously unreleased, but Brooklyn go hard was, I thought oh, really Jay-Z. good. Jay-Z, Santa uh, Santa gold one. I thought it was really good. And yeah. I love party and bullshit. And I think that should be a yeah. staple in, in, I'm surprised bars everywhere. And I'll play that every night. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's so good. Yeah, and I, I remember when that Jay Z song came out. Um, I don't think at the time I I knew that it was attached to this soundtrack, but I remember when it came out, it was on the radio all the time, and that Santa Gold uh, hook was stuck in my head all the time. But yeah, it's good. I thought it was good. All right, you know I you know and we're now now that we're finishing with with Tupac and it, I listened to both these back to back. It's so interesting that like they're held up as the two pinnacles of, of uh-huh. hip hop. And, you know, Tupac has the lyrics and Biggie has the vibes. Mm-hmm. 
That's like where I, I always look at them as like one's not better than the other because they do equally important and different things for yeah. hip hop. Yeah, they hold different space. Better, better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Like you, you cannot listen to Biggie's flow, Puffy's beats and not have a good time. Mm-hmm. And then the introspectiveness and the lyrics of Tupac are are not that he doesn't have, you know, bangers, but it's just a different vibe where his his he's the lyrical master and the other one is is the vibe and mm-hmm. i it's it's similar with these two soundtrack i do i'm very interested to hear what you think of the resurrection soundtrack with all of the remixes by eminem yeah so this this was the uh, tupac resurrection soundtrack released november 11 2003 um this was the soundtrack for a documentary about Pac's life um that earned an oscar nomination um for mm-hmm. best which was the best documentary. documentary short or just yeah. did they not do that? Back no, then? It, was a, it was a feature film. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. It was in theaters. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was executive produced by Tupac's mother, Athena Shakur and Eminem. I'm not really sure why they, why that was a thing. Maybe he just really wanted to, I don't know. I don't know why Eminem was involved with this, but he was very involved with this. Um, <laughs> The album was released seven years after Tupac's death and featured previously released music as well as unreleased verses from Pac. Um, Debuted at number two on the Billboard 200, releasing the same week as the Black Album by Jay-Z, which got number one. Um, It would end up peaking at number two, but it did stay on the chart for 22 weeks. It sold over 420,000 in the first week and went platinum in mid-December. Uh, debuted at number 60 on the hip hop and R and B charts, peaked at number three the next week, stayed on the chart for 30 weeks. Um, I, what I did like was that the album featured a lot of Pac's older music from his earlier groups and his earlier albums. Um, I liked that they had the digital underground song on there. I liked that they had like songs like Panther power from like his first three albums when he was like really, becoming um when he was really figuring out his sound and figuring out what type of artist he wanted to be and this matched really well with the like those particular parts matched really well with the actual uh documentary i rewatched it yesterday um and but what i didn't like was really eminem's uh touch on this album i liked one part of eminem's touch but the rest of it i really didn't like what i did like was his rearrangement of the song running which was a song with biggie and tupac Mm. i really liked that song and his touch was on it because that song was already a song but it had a different beat and he kind of like put a different beat there and reworked some things and moved things around and i do really like his arrangement but as you mentioned earlier um in the episode the way that like he was like putting Tupac verses over Eminem beats just like didn't really work. And like, if you don't think hard about it, it kind of works. Like the very first song, let me see if I have this up. Ghost. Ghost. The very first song, I kind of was like, okay, this is okay. Because it was just Tupac and then it was the beat. And I wasn't really thinking about Eminem at all. But then the very next song is One Day at a Time, Eminem's version and it's it's Eminem and Tupac on the same song, and at that point, it's like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> it's just it was like it doesn't like, work. It doesn't. It's a different. It it's a different aesthetic. You also can't put Eminem versus over a Kanye beat. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah, they're completely different like, artists. Rap, and like, rap isn't interchangeable. It's, yeah, yeah. 
And like, and Eminem really, there is, there is no part of like Tupac's life and like journey and like the parts that we know about it that like rings Eminem to me. Like, I don't, I don't really understand why he was attached to this. Um, it could be a simple. What about, what about Tupac's, uh, uh, whole thing he had in Detroit where it was such a, he loved Detroit and he was there for a minute and it really meant a lot to him. Oh, you mean when he like lived in Detroit for like three years of his life, that part? Oh my God. His yeah, rap battling right. in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge right. thing. You're right. You're right. He lived on the other side of eight mile. Yeah. He worked um, in that factory, that automobile factory. Yeah. You know what? Sex, he had I sex with Brittany Murphy. Forgot. It was a whole thing. <laughs> I, I agree. It's, 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 it's a weird thing. It feels weird. Uh-huh. Um, and I like some of the I like the unreleased stuff. Like I liked Ghost. I, I thought yeah, the yeah. I thought that was a strong way to start the album. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it felt too um, someone else's vision of what this artist does when this should have been uh, an extension of Tupac's vision. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I think that that's like if Eminem wanted to do this, mm-hmm. then he should have just done it as a separate project. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do it under, you know, Tupac's name and under the documentary about his life. Yeah, um, especially because, like, and I mean, we'll talk about this next episode. But like, just high level, I, I thought the the documentary was really well done, um, and how it explored Tupac and and how it did what the <laughs> what the actual biopic that would come what how many years later I don't know. Uh, 2017. Yeah, so, so 14, 15, 15 yeah. 14 years later. How like I feel like the documentary did everything that, or most things that the the biopic didn't. Um, and yeah, this the soundtrack was just it was very weird. And I I do think they they should have been more like the notorious soundtrack and put more of Tupac's popular songs in there. Since yeah. the documentary did span his entire life, it wasn't like it just focused on his his upbringing and like the beginning of his career. Um. But that being said, uh, there were, let me see, there were nine like posthumous albums released by Tupac after he died before this one. So, which is like, what? Yeah. So there was, there was obviously some fatigue, I think, when it comes to his work. There Um, were nine nine. posthumous albums released in seven years. Yeah. Albums, compilations, like they were doing a lot. They were doing a lot. And it was, was all him and Biggie doing were <laughs> recording songs 24 hours a day? Well, one thing, one thing that Tupac actually did say in the documentary was he was like, you know, I never know when I'm going to go. So I would like always like record all of this music and like get it ready just in case, which is why like the, the like the first two albums after he died, like were actually, or maybe it was just the one, but I think it was the first two were actually pretty good because he had like, he had like did the work to like put this album together and it was just ready right. to go. But after that, it just starts to really go downhill. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite songs. I know you mentioned ghost. Uh, ghost is good, but the standout for me was, um, staring through my rear view. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Which I liked a lot. Yeah. I also had ghost. I liked running, dying to live and I like bear me a G. Um, Okay, let's let's rank our top five. Um, all right, uh, all right. Do you want to go first and give your your number five? 
yeah, I'll go first. My my number five is the Friday soundtrack. Okay. Um, just good vibes. Uh, makes you want to drive with the windows down, listen to music, which is the entire point of that movie. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of good artists uh, collaborate. I thought it was a ton of fun. And I think the biggest point for it is, as you said, it fits the characters and it fits the atmosphere of the movie. So they go hand in hand. Nice. Uh, my number five was Above the Rim. Um, I thought it was really solid, really cohesive. It got it got some extra points because of its cohesion. Um, it's an it's a album with songs that I will revisit. Um, yeah, I thought it was really solid. Yeah, my number four is Above the Rim. Actually, oh, okay. um, it That's starts funny. out my with number four is Friday. So we we flip flop there. <laughs> Let's keep doing that. My uh, it's it's very cohesive, as you said, and I think that the it a lot of hard work went into it, which mm-hmm. is shown, which is not something you can say for all of these soundtracks. So that, yes. um, that really gives it points and, uh, it's got some, some killer tracks on it. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. And I agree with everything you said about Friday. That's why it's in my number four. I have a feeling, uh, I have a feeling that we might have the yeah, same one, two and three. We're definitely going to have the same three, but in the same order, you think, Ooh, I, I think maybe, based on maybe. something, I think based on something you said, you have something different in number one, oh, but I okay. bet, I bet we have the same three. I bet we have the same three. Let's try it's it. You want to say it at the same time? Okay. Ready? Uh-huh. <gasps> Brown, Brown sugar. sugar. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we have the same three. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's solid. I mean, you have some of the, the best of the time. Um, when it comes to like neo soul and social conscious rap on that soundtrack with the most deaf, um, the most deaf contributions, you got a young Kanye producing his ass off. Um, you've got the, the love of my life song. You've got the act Two root song. It's, it's really cohesive and it's just really good music. So that's why it is. And I, I also feel that, um, it's one of the best encapsulations of music in the time it was released. Mm -hmm. Um, it feels very 2002 in the best way. And it has such great collaborators and it also fits in well with the movie. It's very, very good. Yeah. All right. So this is where I think we're going to differ because yeah, of something yeah, you're you, right. I think we because might. of something you said earlier about the biggie album, or the uh-huh. notorious where you said like, uh, if it had big pop on it, it would be a done deal. I mean, it is a done deal, but it would be even more of a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what's your number two? My number two is black Panther. Okay. Um, I think this is the most cohesive project of all the soundtracks that we listened to. We talked about how the score and the um, there's the score of the the movie and the soundtrack were kind of merged together. And there's also just really, really good performances by everybody involved. Kendrick and TDE did a really just good job curating this and how they kind of stuck with the themes of the movie as well. And it didn't feel gimmicky. I thought that was really good. So this is my number two. Uh, my number two is notorious. There we go. Um, it's, uh, it has the best first half of an album on this list. <laughs> um, but that's a credit to, to Biggie. It's, it's such a great tribute to him. I love that it includes demos and tribute songs. It's a great mix of what you want from him and how important he was and mm-hmm. how, um, how good he was. And so it's, it's a great tribute to him much, much like most of the film, the film's pretty decent, but, um, it surpasses the film and it's, it's might be the one that I go back to the most, except for my number one. Uh, why was notorious your number one? 
So Notorious was my number one because <laughs> one with the way that I I rated everything, it had so many just like top notch elite level songs on it that there was no way that the Black Panther soundtrack was going to be able to catch it in the numbers. Like I would have had to like as much as I wanted Black Panther to be number one, I would have had to have add so many like points to its rating that it was like okay, well now I'm just cheating. I'm just giving it points <laughs> because I wanted to. But I thought. I thought the music that they featured of Biggie was some of his best other than Big Papa. They should have added that. But like, so just so many hits, like Notorious Thugs, Hypnotize, Juicy. Um, I don't know if, was Who Shot You on there? No, I don't think Who Shot You was on there, but I think no, I don't think so. there was another song on there that I'm, I'm blanking on the name now. But just a lot of really great songs that I was just like, this is this is some of the best music um, out of, out of any of these soundtracks because Biggie was just that good. So that was my number one. Why was Black Panther your number one? It was the right artist, the right movie, the right time. It was a perfect storm of events. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most important soundtrack to its film of any of these soundtracks. You can't imagine one without the other. And it's there. They need each other to exist. It's so ingrained in the movie and in the music and the music stands on its own mm-hmm. as well. It's songs sure. you can go back to. It's got the Oscar nomination. It has everything you want in a soundtrack. It's huge. It's great. It's, it fits the movie and uh, it's like the, it's the perfect uh, hip hop soundtrack in my opinion. It does everything you want it to do. Awesome. Awesome. And now I'm, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention because I, you made a really good point about what Ryan I mean, Cooper what do they does do? next. Cause if I were him, if I were Ryan yeah. Coogler, and I mean, I don't know what the what the themes of the next movie are. I don't know anything about the next movie. My guess, well, <laughs> my guess is my guess is grief is a big <laughs> well, theme of the yeah. movie. I think that, um, I think the transition of power. I, I, there's going to be a lot of stuff here to tackle. I think if I were him, the smartest decision would be to tap TDE again. And just make them the, like, they're going to do all of the soundtracks. Um, But I think an an even cooler decision is to keep the same idea, but just get a different set of artists and see if they can live up. If they don't, you know, it's, it's, it's likely, likely that they won't because TD did such a great job, but I think it would be cool to like, if like the next soundtrack was like J Cole's Dreamville and just like give them the opportunity to see what they would do with it. I like the Beyonce Jay Z idea. That would be cool. If Kanye weren't Kanye right now, he, I think has, would have a good chance of being able to make (laughs) one, you know, as good as TDE, but if this was Kanye in 2009, yes, he'd be crushing it. Um, I want him to give it to Rhapsody. Ooh, that would be dope. Just, just Rhapsody. I mean, she could have guests, she could have features, Uh but give it to an incredible female rapper, Mm -hmm. uh, especially because there's rumors that's actually the Black Panther mantle is going to be taken up by Shuri. Although I don't know what they're going to (laughs) do. Ryan Coogler's really got a headache with this movie, but um, if that is the case, you know that's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Who do you have anybody else in mind besides? I mean, who's like the best female rapper right now? That's that's a tough question because there's so many factors. If I if if you ask me who the hottest female rapper right now is, I think I'd have to say Megan The Stallion. 
as right. far as I don't as, think that's uh, I don't think that's going to work though for yeah. this movie. No, I think I think Little Sims would be great. Oh, given hell this, yeah, given this task, like if you just say I want you to curate an album for the Black right. Panther two soundtrack, Shuri's in charge. Like I think she would kill it. I think she would kill I'm, it. I'm I'm changing it. It's it's Little <laughs> Sims and it's her a collaborative Ooh. album. Between the two, yep. So you got the R and B and the hip hop. Do you do you one. still have Ryan Coogler's uh, direct line? We need to call him and get him this information. You know what? I keep calling it, and like some, I get some guy named Bob's answering service. Mm, okay. So I don't, mm, I don't know. I'll have to check. Maybe I'm typing in a number wrong. I'll see if I can. Um, um, I'll see if I can hit up Letitia Wright. She hasn't hit me back in a while, but I'll. Uh, yeah, but you should probably stop contact with her. I think that's <laughs> best if you distance yourself from her i know you really want to keep that relationship going that friendship i don't know <laughs> yeah you maybe, know, you're, you're right I've maybe been, let's uh i've been denied i've been in denial how about yeah, how about kaluuya can we get kaluuya on board let's 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 call him up I he's probably in the movie right yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably in the movie <laughs> um <laughs> all right thank you uh everybody for listening this has been the end of part four we have one part left. Um, we're right. not going to be here next week, but the week after we will be back with the, the final episode of the Ooh, real is that true? Series. I get an extra week to watch all these movies. You do. You get an extra week. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, right. So we'll be back on the 20, the 21st or the 22nd with the final episode where we will be discussing. Um, I forget what we titled it. Was it just, Hip hop by the gen- genre most suited for yeah. hip hop. I guess what we called it. Yeah, we're just going to be talking about all the different genres of film that hip hop has had a movie in, mm-hmm. and talking about what works best. Why hasn't there been more action films or comedies or this kind of thing? So it's going to be like a big summation of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back with the final episode um, in a couple of weeks. So tune in then, uh, Brian. I know you all are in the midst of your tournament. Would you like to anything you like to plug? Uh, yes. Uh, what's in the box office is a, uh, movie podcast where each week my co-host Noah and I discuss the box office chart. So what movies made what money? Dr. Strange came out this weekend. It's going to make a bunch of money, but it has the third lowest cinema score in Marvel history, which wow. means audiences aren't feeling it as much. And I understand why. So <laughs> after seeing it last night, so maybe it might not hold as well. So what this means, where your dollars are going and what it means for your favorite stars and franchises. Plus we play a bunch of games and every March we do a tournament much like March madness. We call it multiplex madness where we determine something with a bracket this year, multiplex sadness. We're determining the biggest flop of the 21st century. We, did you listen to the most recent episode? It's okay if you haven't. No, it, I, it wasn't up uh, last time I checked. I checked yesterday and it wasn't okay. up there. It was up. All right. Well, I'm going to give away the eight. So, so sorry. Oh, but you okay. should listen to it because I get Noah on one thing and it's very, very fun oh. for me. Um, I really shock him by one of my arguments. <laughs> but uh, we have eight left, eight movies from the 21st century that flopped so hard. We've given out division winners. So our lead eight and a half that remain are Cats, Gigli, Fantastic Four, Green Lantern, Mars Needs Moms, Catwoman, Battlefield Earth, and Son of the Mask. Those, one of those movies will be crowned the biggest flop 21st century. So um, Ahmad will be a guest on, on a few remaining episodes. So that's coming to a close. A good time to jump in. You can find us at uh, Wit Box Office on Twitter and Instagram, what's in the box And we're on all of your uh, podcast apps. And I'm on Twitter at Brian DeSerber, D A S U R B E R. 
Awesome. Thank you. Excited to be a guest for the um, last couple oh, episodes uh, for Multiplex Sadness. Um, <laughs> thinking outside the boombox.com is a website, TOTB, the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, yes, we have one episode remaining in this series. Uh, between now and the end of the Real Rhythm series, I will likely drop an episode talking about Kendrick's album, which is set to release on the 13th, so at the end of this week. Um, and then there's the finale, uh, farewell tour episode with my wife after that three episodes remain. Um, so yeah, uh, keep tuning in, uh, and tune in to what's in the box office, um, for the tournament and everything beyond. Um, so yeah, this has been thinking outside the boom box, your number one source for hip hop and R and B news. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.